helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, this is Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, and I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Radio Show. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series entitled Beyond Limits, and we did the first part of the series, which was Raising Your Expectation from Acts Chapter 3. And today we'll be starting the second part of the Beyond Limits series, and it's about confronting negative self-concept. It's the story in John chapter 4, the story of the woman by the well. Stay tuned. We are going to be exploring this story in a way that maybe you've never heard before, and we'll be giving some insights into how you can confront negative self-concept, self-doubt, and get to a level where you become influential and you have new influence and new blessings in your life. So stay tuned. We're going to be going into the story in a very interesting way. But before we do that today, let me welcome Melissa. Melissa, thank you very much for being with us on the show again. And it's a pleasure having you. It's great to join you as always, Michael. And I'm really excited to go through the second part of this series that we're starting. Yes, I think it, it, it last week was very interesting. We talked about that show and I had someone say to me that they have never looked at that story of the of the man by the gate beautiful in that way and that they, they are they are very excited about this other part of the series coming up. So uh, today I think we we have big shoes to fill. I've been started out so good last week and I hope we can do just as good a job. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. This is again as I've said in the past, I'd love when we go through the Bible and take these stories and pick them apart and find out application for today because there's so much wisdom as we know that's garnered from the word and it's always so exciting to see how we can apply these stories that though written long long ago still have such applicability for us today but before we get into today's show I'm wondering Michael for those of the who may have just joined us for the first time today and have no clue what Elam is could you please share with us uh, what Elam Counseling Ministries is and where we're located and how people can get in touch with us if they need to. Thank you very much for bringing that up Melissa. Uh, Elam is a professional counseling organization that provides counseling, professional counseling from a Christian perspective. And our services are covered by most major insurers. So our our, psycho, our members are qualified counselors and qualified psychotherapists. So the services that you get here are clinical service that covers a wide range of things such as marital issues, uh, covers also uh, mental illnesses such as depression, schizophrenia, you name it, just about everything. We are trained, our counselors are trained to provide service in, in, in a wide number of areas. And in terms of the the, the, the the structure of the ministry, we are a non-profit organization, so we provide counseling at a subsidized cost, and we're only able to do so by donations that come into the ministry. So if you have benefited from this ministry, or if you have enjoyed this show, then if you haven't given, then we, we invite you to consider giving a donation, because donation helps us to help people who are in less fortunate situations. There are many days when we get calls from people 
people, for example, who are just coming out of prison and they, they need help, but they do not have the resources. We get calls from women who are leaving abusive relationships and are not in a financial position to, to pay the regular fees. So the, the fees, the, the donations that we get help us to be able to to do that. In terms of the location, we have three locations. Our primary location is 1390 Prince of Wales Drive. We have another location at 1825 St. Joseph Boulevard. And we have a third location in Cornwall. So we provide services in a number of different areas for your convenience. And so in addition to the professional counseling services and this radio show, we also have another component of the Elam Counseling Ministry um, that you wanted to highlight as well. And that's an upcoming, well, I shouldn't say upcoming. It'll be here before we know it, but there's a retreat coming up in June at Providence Point that you've entitled a healing retreat. Can you expand on that a little bit? So the healing retreat is an opportunity to get away and to really uh, focus on areas of your life that needs to be changed or strengthened. And it's called a healing retreat because I think when you focus on emotional wholeness, then there is also a physical component that comes along with that. So people who attend this retreat can expect to not only uh, find freedom in emotional ways, but I think there is also physical benefits that can happen. We know from research that has been done that things like unforgiveness affects our health, cause high blood pressure, heart conditions, and so forth. So many people uh, come out to these retreats, and what they find is that they are dealing with the emotional things. For example, forgiving a parent for childhood issues, but then by doing so, there is also a physical benefit. There is also a, a health benefit that comes from that. And so if you're interested in this healing retreat, it's going to be held on June 9th to the 11th. If you, More information will become available on our website, which is elimcounselingministry.com. It's spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or we encourage you to give us a call at 613-699-1677, and we'd be happy to provide you with more information. I know June probably seems like it's really, really far away, but uh, as we found in the past with these retreats, space is limited. There's only 12 spots available, so we really encourage you if you feel this is something that yourself or someone who you love would benefit from to give us a call get your name on that list because spaces do fill up quite quickly so michael you said we're we have big shoes to fill today with today's show we had good feedback from last week's part one of our series and today is part two where we're going to be doing a uh, topic about confronting negative self-concept and you've highlighted the story of the woman at the well as sort of our starting point for discussion but for the sake of reminding us about the story, uh, do you mind giving us a bit of a read about where we're going to be taking this story from? Yes, this is a particularly long passage. It's actually almost the entire chapter four of, of St. John. So I won't be reading the entire story, but just to give this story in a nutshell, let me just say that this story is about a woman who went to a well and at midday, because she did not want to associate with the other women in the town. Uh, in, in Jesus' time, people would go to the well in the cool of the evening. But this woman, because of her ill reputation in, in, in her city, she decided to go uh, at, at this, in the sixth hour, the Bible tells us, and that's around midday where the sun would be very hot. But we are told that Jesus deliberately went through that town, and many scholars believe that 
he went through Samaria because he knew that woman would be there at that time of the day and he wanted to meet this woman because he realized that she had a, a need. She had she had uh, issues in her life that needed to be straightened out. And so we find that in the story, Jesus started speaking to her yeah. and he, he dealt with her in a way that helped her to see the underlying need. And there's a lot of things that um, you've highlighted within this story. As you say, Jesus went out of his way to see this woman. Um, she was also coming to the well at a very bizarre time. She was doing it to avoid others, but really um, it was the time midday, as you say. There, It's a lot of physical work mid-hot afternoon. And you've also highlighted the fact, as you say, Jesus went out of his way to see him, but the fact that Jesus was a Jew mm-hmm. and coming to see this woman was right. also quite unique. Absolutely, because in those days, the Jews would not socialize with the Samaritans. And so Jesus is breaking cultural norms, speaking to this woman, and is meeting her at a place where he would not be expected to, to be as a man, and she's not expected to be at that time. So it's a very chance meeting, but I think it was orchestrated by Jesus. And so in Jesus setting this scenario up where it's, as we know with Jesus, nothing's really, really by chance. Um, But he's sitting with this woman, and then not only is he sitting with this woman where she's gathering the water, he also starts to speak and minister to this woman and sort of lay out her life story, so to speak, in front of her. And so what kind of things does Jesus reveal about this woman's life as he's speaking to her? All right, so I think as we we begin to look at this story, uh, we see a number of things happen happening in this story. And I want to take my time to go through about maybe six different uh, things that we can pick out of this story that I think typifies those of us who have negative self-concept or might be might be struggling to really believe and to and to attain our full potential because we have a limited a limited uh, belief in ourselves and I think this woman came to the well with limited beliefs about herself she had ill reputations uh, ill reputation as I said before because uh, she have had five husbands before. And she was now living with someone else that was not her husband. And so there was probably a lot of gossip that was going on in this town about this woman that caused her not to not to think that she was worth anything. But then there was also the fact that she was a Samaritan. And to the Jews, the Samaritans were looked at on as being second class citizen and so she as a as as a person represented someone who had low self concept negative self concept and so the first thing that we saw that Jesus did in this story is that Jesus challenged the expected norms of his time and so it is that when to get a breakthrough in our situation, it is sometimes necessary for us to step outside of of the box, step outside of the 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 barriers that people have uh, as put in place for us, and to begin to think outside of the box and to to begin to approach things in a new way. So Jesus broke those cultural norms, and by breaking those cultural norms, for this woman. 
he he brought her into that as well. And so the the, the first the first uh, thing in the first point in breaking through in in overcoming negative self concept is to begin to think outside of the expected norms. Maybe you have for yourself certain things that you have created in your mind as to where you can go, who you can speak to. And it may have created limitations for you and may have been holding you back. But Jesus broke that barrier because Jesus took this woman with him by meeting her and said, we are going to do something different. We're going to do something unexpected. And so it's not surprising that the story that, that, that when the disciples came and they saw him speaking with this woman, they were surprised. But there was also a third element that Jesus, Jesus took her out of, out of as well because it would not be seen as being normal for a rabbi to be speaking with a woman at that time of the day. And so without anyone else around. So Jesus stepped out of those out of those cultural barriers and said, there is a need here to be filled. And I am stepping outside of the box that have, has been created by a culture. And let me just say this, that there are many churches, many organizations that cannot progress because they have erected uh, little boxes for themselves that they want to operate in. And they, they are not flexible they operate in these in these very rigid structures and for change and progress and growth to take place whether it be an individual or an organization there needs to be this willingness to challenge the expected norms and to begin to look at things in a different way another point that you've highlighted in this story and I may get you to um, just give us an example through the reading of the scripture of this is you've highlighted the fact that uh, generational influences actually had a part to play in the Sumerian woman's concept of herself as well. Absolutely. One of the things that she said in her interaction when Jesus began to challenge her, one of the things that she said is, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. So she was becoming stuck in a pattern. In other words, she there, there was a religious discussion that started between her and Jesus. And she's saying, this is the way it is done. I don't know what's going on with my voice today, Melissa, but I think I'm hearing a little bit of a different sounding voice. Don't worry, I'm not demon possessed or anything. <laughs> no, 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 it's very soothing. It's a very soothing baritone okay, going on okay. there, Michael. Yes. So, so G- Jesus, uh, geez, she brought up this 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 discussion about generational uh, generational norms by saying, "Our fathers worship in this mountain." So she was she was stuck in a generational pattern, and I think there's there are examples. This is typical of of examples of ways that we as individuals become stuck in generational patterns. It could be generational patterns based on what we observed in our family. Uh, Maybe in our family, people only went to a certain level of, of education, and so we gravitate towards that level of education. No one went to university, so we don't go to university, or no one ever, you know, started their own business. So we will never start our own business. And and so uh, it could be patterns like those. It could also be, be patterns that generational influence or patterns that are based on things that were said to us in our childhood. So when this woman said, our fathers did it this way, she was saying that there's a generational influence that is keeping me stuck 
in this place. And Jesus challenged that. Jesus tried to give her a new perspective of things. So generational influence can be as a result of things that were spoken over us as children. Maybe you were told uh, as a child that you wouldn't amount to anything, that you weren't as smart as your brother. Or maybe there were opportunities that you wanted as a girl, but you weren't allowed to have those opportunities because in the in the era in which you grew up, grew up uh, only boys got those opportunities. And so it, this may have left you feeling, feeling uh, 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 hurt. And, and so it might have affected your life because you, you have now stuck in this pattern that I can go, to, I can do certain things because I don't, I don't, I can't break out of that generational pattern. Or it may be even generational pattern in terms of career. We talk about uh, in other shows where in some families, especially ethnic families, except you are uh, uh, a doctor, a lawyer, or a dentist, you're, you're not really anything, right? And and so people, a lot of pressure are put on children because of those generational influence from times past that this is all you can be. And we've, as you say, have talked in many shows in the past how these experiences as you're developing at such a young age really can shape your concept. And if it's not done in a positive way, you can see how this can create this negative self-concept that people need to break free from. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the second part of our three-part series called Beyond Limits. Today, we're looking at the book of John in chapter four, and we're discussing confronting negative self-concept. Life. This is the Life Transformation Radio Show. We're on every Monday at 9.30. This is a part of the Elam Counseling Ministry. If you want to learn more about Elam or if you want to hear the first part of this radio show, if you happen to have missed it, please check out our website at elamcounselingministry.com. It's spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or we encourage you to give us a call at 613-699-1677. So we were just talking there about how... Uh, the woman at the well had a negative generational influence or a generational pattern that was keeping her stuck at that well. And it was something that Jesus had challenged her Keeping on. her stuck in a way of worship, right? Mm-hmm. Our father's worship in this mountain, yes. And so Jesus had um, confronted her on that. What um, other things did Jesus highlight to this woman that would have influenced her or hopefully brought her out of a negative self-concept. One of the things that happened in this story that is very profound is that Jesus used the 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 image or or the used the object gave an object lesson using water. She was there at a well to get water, and Jesus began to to talk in very metaphorical language about water and about giving her this water that would make her never thirst again. And so she became curious because she's thinking, wow, this means I'm going to get this water that I will never have to come here in my shame having to come in the heat of the day when no one is looking, no one is around because of because of my shame. And Jesus was really speaking figuratively about something, a deeper need that she had. So there are times when, because of the negative self-concept that we carry, we, we, we do not realize what our real need is. And we try to fill those needs 
with the wrong kind of things. And so when Jesus was speaking to her about her deeper need to to never thirst again, he wasn't talking about water, but she was thinking, oh, this is a kind of water that this man is going to give to me that is a special water. And so it is with individuals who have uh, negative self-concept and they're battling that negative self-concept. They often have a, a, a misconception as to what the real need is and what can fulfill that need. And so they turn to, to the wrong kind of things. And so what kind of things do people turn to today? How would this look like in today's day and age? Well, I think materialism is a very big one today. A lot of people who struggle with negative self-concept, they they buy into the this fallacy of our generational particularly the fallacy that is perpetrated by the media, that if you just have bigger and better things, if you have uh, a better car or a more expensive car, if you have a bigger home, then you're going to be fulfilled. Uh, For some people, it might be a certain status in society. If you get to that status, then your need is going to be fulfilled. So so, uh, if we we look at the... the, the, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, we see that when they had sinned and that they had shame in their lives, one of the first thing that they did is that they went and they covered themselves with leaves. They covered themselves as a way of saying, I am taking care of that emotional need. But physical things, the covering of the leaves could not take care of an emotional need. So when you cover yourself with things, whether it be bigger, better, more beautiful things, it will never satisfy that need. And so this woman was incorrectly thinking that her need was water. But Jesus was telling her that there is a deeper need that you have that only I can satisfy. And so he began to speak to her that I will give you this water, but she didn't get it. And so the conversation continued until he brought the truth home to her in other ways. One, as part of our earlier discussions before the show, you've actually highlighted religiosity as a way that people cover themselves. What do you, what do you mean by that? How do you see that happen? Yeah, so one of the things is that when we feel inadequate and we feel as if we don't measure up, religion is a way that people turn to, and most of many of the religions in the world are are serving a, a, a very good purpose. But for many people, it is a way of escaping for the shame that they feel. It's a way of escaping, of giving them power because they feel powerless. And so, when when religion begins to be that that thing that is meeting an emotional need, it becomes destructive because it can never take away the the real pain that is there. That that pain cannot be satisfied by just becoming religious, by doing religious rituals that do not take care of the underlying emotional emotional problems that exist. So it's not uncommon for people who have sin in their lives to become extremely religious and condemning of others. But that pointing finger of others is just a way of saying, I don't want to see in you anything that reminds me about my own weaknesses. So it's not surprising that in, we have the story in the gospel where Jesus tells about this person who have this log in their eyes 
in in their eyes, but they are taking this. They're they're, they're criticizing the the speck of dust in in the other person's eye, and this is a way of saying that sometimes we we are quick to point fingers the other way, but it's not really about the other person. It's about us. So you talked a lot about having these emotional wounds and needs. How can we go about confronting those issues, and how do we see that in the story? Well, if we look at this story, we see that Jesus eventually brought up the fact that this woman had five husbands. And I can just uh, uh, see the look on her face when Jesus began to tell her about her life because, you know, he, he has never met her before. She doesn't know him. And so he's telling her this personal detail. He said, first of all, he said to her, go call your husband. And then she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. You don't have a husband because you've had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not yours. And I can just imagine that look up, that that gasp. I was just here to get water. What is happening? Yeah, what is happening? This man is telling me about personal details of my life. But one of the, 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 the things that is happening there is that Jesus is helping her to, 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 to confront the past. Because past confronting past failures is important. Jesus could just have said, I am the Messiah, I am the way, and, you know, you say the sinner's prayer, and you'll be set for life, you'll be, you'll be set for all eternity. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus began to go back into the past and said, look, you have had five husbands. And so I think the mistake that we we sometimes make when we are when we when we have negative self concept is that the root of those self concept is so painful that we try to forget them. We try to pre- pre- pretend as if they didn't happen, and this creates a whole lot of dysfunction in our in our circles, in our church circles, and, and in in our circles of friends. Because when you pretend as if you don't have an emotional wound and you begin to help others, then oftentimes you're you're either too harsh on others that you're helping because you're dealing with you, you haven't dealt with your own stuff, or you you're too soft because you 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 can identify what the person is going through and you cannot really challenge them because you know that you you are going through the same thing. But Jesus brought her face to face with the fact that, look, you have had five husbands. In other words, the past is important. So if you're going to confront negative self-concept, as we are talking about in this second part of the series on Beyond Limits, to, to have that breakthrough, it's going to be necessary for you to deal with the past. And Jesus was actually saying there is a past here that you haven't dealt with. Because as we see in this story where she hasn't dealt with her past, it begins repeating itself mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Because as you've highlighted there, she's not just with the fifth husband. She's now on to number six right. as a relationship uh, that she's not even married to. Exactly. And, and so in, in that, Jesus saying you have had five and that's a past, but you have one in the present that is not yours. It's another way of saying your current behavior has been shaped by what has happened in the past, there is a connection. You have had five, and now you have one that is not yours. And so, if we if we think about that, what it's what could have happened with this woman is that her heart, as we don't we don't know what happened if they had died or if if you know. So she she was a lady that became involved with different men and then ended up being alone. We don't know what happened, but whatever it was, Jesus was saying, 
you have had five and now you, the one that you have is not yours. So it's quite possible that whatever the reasons were for, for, for her state, it's influencing her current behavior. Maybe she had trust issues. Maybe she had her heart broken five times. And so she's saying, I'm not going to give my heart fully to anyone else. I'm going to have someone on the side, sort of, someone who is someone else's husband. That's not mine, a husband that is not mine because that's safer. And that's one of the things that happened when we when we have things earlier on in life, like we have abandonment issues or we, we have our heart broken or we have other trauma, it affects our behavior because it, it's as if we, we don't see the world as a safe place and we feel threatened. And so there's always a part of us that we are trying to protect and to hold back from. So what was the breakthrough moment for this woman and how does it apply to us today? So we see in this story that there was a big turnaround. This woman who came to the well hiding, came to the well in the heat of the day because she didn't want to interact with the other people of the town. We see that when that breakthrough happened, when Jesus spoke into her life and she realized that I'm speaking with the Messiah, that she, the Bible tells us that she ran into the town and she say, come see a man. And she told all the men in the town to come and see Jesus. And we are told that they went out and met him. So in fact, she was the first missionary, I like to say. And so this lady went from being a, a person who was hiding to a person of influence. And this is what happens when you deal with those self-esteem issues, you can become that person of influence. And so if someone wants to be that person of influence today, what should they start doing? So I think just going through the steps of what we have talked about so far is very, very important, like realizing that the past affects the present. Don't become stuck in generational patterns, realizing what the real need is, and so on. And so we have have run out of time for today, Melissa, but if you have questions about this show, you'd like to learn more about how to overcome confronting negative self-concept, give us a call at 613-699-1677. or go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. I know we have packed in a lot in this show today, but there's a lot more that we could talk about, but unfortunately we're out of time. So we would love to hear from you. We'd like to hear your comments about this show. If this show spoke to you in any way, then, then please give us a call. And until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and the pure in heart. Thank you for listening.